Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Brooko Mode for episode nine. I'm joined by Spencer Robertson. Hello. Nice to be here again. Feels good. Um, thanks for having me on the show, Egan. Appreciate it. Yeah, so we recorded the first episode and had a bit of audio failure and we've upgraded the setup, so we thought we would run it again, make it a bit more succinct. Yeah, we. I did tend to talk for a fair bit in that <laughs> one. Um, once you get me on a bit of a tangent, as everyone will probably hear, I do like the sound of my own voice. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to be talking a bit about sort of the psychological benefits of social sport and stuff like that, and we'll see what we get into. But a new theme on my show is the icebreaker question. Um, Sort of interested where this is going to go. (laughs) Just ask a guest sort of anything I come up with or ask some people for a question. And for you, um, I conferred with Tate in the spa over this one and – my question for you is, if you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, this is a good and one. why? Oh, that's a tough one, putting me on the spot. I have thought about it a little bit before, though. Um, I'd probably I'd try and mix it up between like my common interests. So I'd probably pick a musician, a footballer, and some like, historical figure. So I'll probably... I feel like Hitler would be a pretty popular one, so I'll include him. Hitler, Chris Judd, first one that came to mind, and Kevin Parker. I don't know if they'd have any sort of common ground, but I would be interested at least. Yeah, I wonder how the dynamic <laughs> would go. Would you? It'd be interesting. Would you try and pick people so that they would like sort of get along? Like, yeah, I feel like I'd probably have to. Yeah, I'd probably have to pick someone a bit more. Um, granted, Kevin Parker is just like the most chill dude. It seems so, just like a real surfy sort of bloke. So I feel like he'd get along with anyone. What are you going to ask Hitler then? Oh, Hitler would just be interesting to have. <laughs> just sit there. Just look at the bloke would be just funny. <laughs> the man, the myth, the mo. <laughs> so let's get into it. First one, I guess, is 
how did you get involved in playing social sport? Yeah, it started pretty typical to most sort of people. Uh, just joined the local Auskick Centre. Um, shout out Karen Up Saints. Just started playing there when I was probably about five years old and then just kept playing ever since. Loved it. Ever since I can remember, footy's always been something part of my life. And, yeah, that's probably just where it started and then it grew from there. Um, I was pretty rubbish initially, <laughs> as everyone sort of is, and then you sort of develop growing from there. Yeah. Obviously, when we get older, things change and sport takes different paths for everyone. How How has that relationship with sport changed for you and how have you sort of seen that other people change as a result of getting older and stuff like that? As for most people, everyone thinks that they're going to make it to the top and thinks they'll play AFL. And it's good to have goals and ambitions like that, but, you know, at certain stage you realise that that's not what your calling is or, you know, you're not good enough. But, you know, that doesn't mean you can't still take enjoyment in the sport. And Mate, Ty Wolfenden wouldn't agree with you there. <laughs> not good enough. Just put my hours in. Yeah, well, that's, that, that is, I mean, that's one perspective, but... More, it's more so the fact that there's that additional thing of it not being, you know, like maybe I don't want to be an elite athlete. Like if I, exactly I'm not going to put in the effort, then I don't want it. And, you know, there's something else that I would put in the effort for because, you know, I enjoy the more the social aspect of sport. Like obviously I like the competitive element because I'm a very competitive person. But, you know, there's more to it than just wanting to be the best, I guess. Yeah. That would be my perspective. Like, not everyone is going to go out there and, you know, want to put in the effort and train. Some people just want the um, the benefits that come from playing sport that aren't, you know, ego-driven, I guess, to some extent. Yeah, all right. So when you say that your relationship to the sport is more socially driven in comparison to someone like me, how – and you say, like, competitiveness is, like – huge part of the reason that you play how do you manage wanting to be really competitive but then obviously you're not at your best self or you're not making these like physical improvements to try and better your game but you still like Mm. try and compete and do the best you can but you're not like it's not a huge part of your social sporting identity i get that definitely it's just the i think i think we sort of touched on it last time we we did the initial version of the the podcast was the concept of the third place of like having you know you've got your home and work um and then you've got the other place where you you go where you, everyone is there because they want to be there like everyone that's playing um amateur footy like in my particular instance at Hammersley Kareen um everyone that's there wants to be there and you can really feel that and just because we're all you know <laughs> Everyone in my team, like in particular, it's a very misfit bunch of blokes. You got pretty big age range of people, um, from people my age to sort of like twenty ones to your your forties, and you have people from all different ranges of life. You know, young blokes and whether they're you know other guys starting families and with kids. There's there's a big age gap. There's different ranging of perspectives that you get from that, and just because. We're not elite athletes doesn't mean we don't want to win. Like, obviously, going to train hard. Not going to do the recovery sessions and all that extra sort of stuff that the professional players would do. But, you know, there's always the the drive to win, whether that's from a team more... I'd say probably more as a cohesive unit as when you're training together. 
is probably where that benefit comes from rather than individually um, doing the extra sort of work that you and Tate usually do, whether it's like in the weight room or whether it's at the gym or whatnot. Is the weight room and the gym a different thing? Uh, to me it is because the gym is a foreign place to me. If anyone's seen my arms, you will know for a fact. They are little spaghettis. <laughs> There's no muscle on them <laughs> whatsoever. I've never been to a gym in my life. <laughs> but I, I like that point that you, you raised that I guess your competitiveness is from like a team perspective as well. I feel like I'm really competitive like because I want to play my role for the team and like but also like I just hate losing as Yeah, like exactly. It's, it's that that's definitely a thing. <coughs> like the hatred of losing. Like uh, to be honest, it's more that not wanting to lose than it is to win, want to win because winning is great but losing is like horrible. Like everyone hates losing. Uh, I'll bring up the point of like our social cricket team for everyone listening. Egan and I are in a social cricket team, uh, indoor cricket called Howard's Heroes. We don't do any sort of training for that, yet we're still extremely competitive and always want to win. Just rock up on a Wednesday and play with your mates for an hour. There's no sort of additional training in that, yet we still want to win. So I think that's yeah. the further case in point. Yeah, I, I, no, good point. I do, I do like that. So the main gist of this episode is going to be talking about the psychological benefits of community sport social sport and stuff that people get engaged in with other people um the first thing i want to touch on is sort of like the improvements in mental health by being able to connect with other people and obviously you talked about speaking to people um, from a huge range of age and occupation lots of perspectives and stuff like that how is for you how have how's this year sort of opened up your eyes a bit uh, definitely, definitely been a it's a new experience because it's my first year playing senior football with grown men. But previously, you know, you're playing with your, your the people that are in your age range. Last year was playing, or last two years of playing Colts with eighteen to twenty year olds. You know, everyone's pretty similar. It's all the same sort of culture of um, rocking up to the footy club, and getting drunk, pretty much. <laughs> And going out, you know, things you do when you're 18 to 20 and then you move into senior footy and then, as I said before, there's that real range of people. And it's good to have that sort of perspective because you get that, the real leadership, the senior leadership that's probably lacking when you're playing in teams that are, you know, you're in the same sort of age range, you've all had similar experiences. When you're playing with people with those different sort of backgrounds, you're going to get um, different ra- different ranges of experience. And you're going to learn a lot, or at least I found that I've learned a lot from playing with those older guys who have, you know, they've won premierships at the footy club. They've played hundreds of games. They can offer, you know, plenty of advice. And because it's, you know, it's not the greatest um, level of football, um, you've got guys that have been playing before at higher grades that can definitely offer a lot of insight. And I feel like I've been able to learn a lot from them. Yeah, I love that had a similar experience in the last few years no i'm sure with you at north beach as well because it's pretty it's a big club so it would be interesting um the sort of the the sort of people that you get to meet at north beach would be interesting compared to our club say where it's a bit smaller how many how many how many teams does north beach have we've got six senior teams um from like um but i think we have Probably gets wrong, but we might have nine or eleven. I think we have eleven overall, including yeah. women's so and inter. Your experience of like playing with 
A in like the A grade where it's you know quality football. It's like pretty high standard of footy. It's going to be pretty different to my experience of playing in E2. <laughs> so you're probably going to have more of the people that have had higher level achievements because there's what there's ex waffle ex AFL playing yeah. in your competition yeah, as yeah. well. So and Egan just mentioned to me before that he was playing last two weeks. He's played on a waffle player and an AFL player. Um, so that's that sort of quality that's yeah. in his competition. And I guess that could probably say the same with mine, but to a lesser extent, but it's just more so the older guys coming down once they've um, played in like the higher grades and coming down because they still love it. That's the more, more so the point that I'm trying to yeah. make is that everyone that wants to be there is there or that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's that, the real love of the, f- of playing footy and being around that team environment. Yeah. There's a huge sense of belonging that people derive from their social sport. Mm-hmm, definitely. Just being able to connect with other people and have that common goal and sort of everyone's got their own things going in their lives and to have s- something to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. Like I mentioned it on when we did the, the earlier podcast, um, the one that's no one's going to hear. No one's heard it, so you don't yeah, have no to one's say it every time. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair enough. The structure of that footy sort of offers, like during lockdown, when there was that lack of footy, it really, I was a bit lost to be honest, because during winter, you know, there's the sense of structure that comes with footy because you've got Tuesday, Thursday training, Saturday game, and usually I'll go to an additional game, whether that's an Eagles or a West Perth game. And so there's that real sense of structure that footy offers. And to be honest, I realised myself that, you know, I need footy because I love it and it's, I get a lot out of it, like in terms of enjoyment, in terms of like happiness of like being involved in like a team setting or whether it's like watching my team win yeah just like little things it's always just been a part of my life so it's you know not to not have it in any sort of form was it was, it was weird and i didn't like it <laughs> yeah i spoke to tate about this before but it's interesting a lot of players who stop playing afl they get a bit lost and they think that footy is like the only purpose that they had or something like that um but then they start speaking to whether it's psychologists or you know, people that can help them and they sort of they pin down the underlying values of footy, whether that's the competitiveness, the social, being fit and healthy. And then they say, like, can we apply this to other areas? Like, is this a unique footy trait or is this is there more underlying things? And that's true. My point is that, like, it's not just footy per se. It's it's the whole range of things yeah, that come with that's it true. definitely with yeah it's that the sense of community that you get from it rather than just the specific activity that's probably more so the point that i'm trying to make is that yeah it, the sense of belonging as you touched on the community sort of feel that you get from it being in touch with those different perspectives and i was saying before people like people need that sense of perspective and unity i guess and people get it from different ranges you know people don't just get it from footy i, I get it from footy you know i'm just speaking from my experiences it's people as i was talking about before the concept of the third place could be anything you know whether it's like a, a the pub you go to every week or the people you hang out with that like a you know a musical setting or whatnot you know people derive things from derive those feelings from different um spheres i guess so another point I wanted to touch on, obviously we talk about, you know, I feel like let's not hide away from the fact 
everyone's going to have a different relationship to sport but you know there's I know I've definitely experienced like performance anxiety and then and stuff like that and you start questioning yourself and doubting yourself and you're thinking like this is just community sport that's what makes it even harder I feel like when you when you're playing AFL like and you have performance anxiety, like it's you can sort of it's okay, like it's justified a bit because there's justified people because there's money. There's but then when you when you have it in a community setting, you st- you start thinking, what the fuck? Am, like, why am I worried about this stupid stuff? Like, I'm meant to be enjoying it. Exactly. Like at the end of the day, you've got to bring it back to what you, why you do it, and that's because you like it because it's fun, and you you need to get that enjoyment. That enjoyment factor really has to be there, and Enjoyment does come from winning, yes. <laughs> that is that that's one way f- it's definitely derived. I feel like it's I just know for me that it's it's not that easy just to say, bring it back and enjoy it. Like people who do care a lot, like there's a lot of people who put a lot of time into this into training and stuff and and they're trying to achieve the highest team they're in and you know, and they just sometimes people can't enjoy enjoy it for what it is for whatever reasons but I would like to go into a few of those reasons and I sort of think then you when you talk about the solutions to these then it sort of talks about the benefits of of social sport in itself and the first point is like negative past experiences like as humans we love to generalize Mm -hmm. and people have one bad experience in a team and then for some reason they think that sports not for them it's not their calling and then they quit or for whatever reason and then they and then you know it might have been something they really could have enjoyed and taken benefit from but for whatever reason they've stopped but you've obviously had a range of experiences just like anyone and obviously we're still young and we're not going to have the range of experiences you know a 40 year old coming to talk to me but I'm sure you've been a part of poor team environments and then obviously if high quality environment you're in now what sort of experience or how do you think about what I've said in that sort of context yeah there's obviously that sort of range once you've experienced the both ends of the spectrum you can really sort of appreciate it and I definitely have because I've played in a lot of teams that have been unsuccessful and not even just being unsuccessful like you can your team can be unsuccessful and you can still be in a good team environment. I mean, they probably feed off each other to some extent because everyone likes to win. Uh, I feel like in Australia, especially, most children, especially maybe through parenting, get pigeonholed into two sports, footy and cricket. But I feel like that's not going to appeal to everyone and then sometimes people think that they aren't meant for sport because they don't like those two sports even though they there's so many other sports out there that they could love but then they sort of generalize and then they think okay sport's not for me and they might pursue yeah. other things or well, everyone i feel like sport should be for everyone it should be something that um i i think there's got to be at least one sport that you sort of can be drawn to i i'd find it difficult to believe that people can completely write off sport in general i really don't like it when people are just like oh i don't I don't care about sport no, 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 no. Well, I mean, it's just from for me. It's such a big part of my life, so of course I'm going to feel attacked in that regard. Uh, uh, to be honest, it'd probably be the same. Like, I guess you know, 
if I said to someone, I don't care about musical theatre and musical theatre was their whole life, then I guess they would be offended as well to some extent, you know? Yeah, but it's it's, sport is like all encompassing. There's like, yeah. Oh, I mean, physical activity, yeah, because you can derive so much from just being like, uh, as we've touched on already about the sense of community and just being outside in the fresh air. Sunlight. (laughs) Exactly, sunlight. Yeah, just, just being outside and having that, sort of escape where you can go to a place where you can just sort of relax or not, not relax, but you can just not think about the outside world while you're doing that activity. And you can sort of get in that flow state of just focusing on the game and focusing on the activity that you're doing. So another point that we talked about on the never to be heard episode, which I thought was very interesting on your perspective with this, like, how people don't want to engage in sport from a lack of confidence and like now that would bewilder me but you know I've definitely been in that headspace before where you don't want to engage in things because you think you don't have the confidence or can apply to anything really but I guess we're talking about sport here but people are sort of thrown off from the whole idea of what getting good at it just the learning curve no just like um, playing sport enjoying it because like they feel like they're anxious and they're don't want to put themselves out there oh yeah you know what i mean yeah okay yeah i get what you mean now yeah that yeah as i was talking about before about the sense of community and like i guess not everyone's going to be able to fit into that sort of social setting uh, at least i'm can be quite an extroverted person when i need to be so being able to communicate with other other people is something i'm strong at but it's not necessarily something that everyone else is strong at and can can sort of derive that from so yeah just that social anxiety that some people might have so they might not be able to connect with people in their team or whatever Uh, to be honest what I found is a really strong team environment is when you can have a conversation with anyone in your team and like just to be able to have just a general conversation with like another human being and to be able to connect with them I just feel like that you can play in teams where people just don't want to talk to each other I guess that's what we're talking about before in that bad team environment, what it's like. Yet when you're in a good team environment, you know because you can connect with the people, and there's that sense of unity. But as I was, yeah. Do you guys have values that define your club? Like club honesty, courage, accountability, family. Is it culture or community? Culture. Yeah, that's the HCAFC. That's our values. Oh yeah. I. What interests me though, like, is. I like the idea of values. I feel like most of the time... That's the point of values is supposed to be idealistic, so fair. Exactly, but I feel like you can... It's not... To me, it's it's not the values per se. Like, you could honestly have, like, such a wide variety of values and they... That's not what's going to bring success, if you know what I mean. It's it's like adherence from everyone to the same, same thing. It's honestly like a common goal or like everyone coming together for the same purpose you could have like like such a different variety like obviously yours are a bit different to ours and then they're going to be different to other clubs but that's not what brings success it's obviously it's yeah words can only do so much it's the actions yeah i think that's is that what you're trying to yeah, say exactly yeah. no i agree with that let's do the stop for pop stop for pop this one why do you think a lot of dominant junior athletes 
in there until up until year 12 they peak in high school why do you think they stopped playing even though they were clearly loving the sport or I don't even know if you say loving the sport maybe loving what came with it yeah. but I why guess, do you think yeah, a lot of them stop internal and external pressures like as you were sort of talking about before that the anxiety of not being able to perform at your best I think it gets to a stage where you know you reach a level of competence you know and but beyond there you just get it becomes difficult to perform diminishing returns I yeah, guess yeah 100% there gets to yeah it might just be a stage where you're not getting that enjoyment as we were sort of talking about before like people derive enjoyment in sport from different things and whether that comes from success or whether it comes from internal drive just being a part of those high performance areas is something that some people don't respond to like particularly well so it could be something that i think it's ego driven a mm. lot of the, a lot of the time yeah you see well yeah you can get i feel like people that have had success at a young age think it's just going to keep coming and they some people are just naturally talented at sport and aren't willing to put in the extra work well i think what can happen is when you have a lot of that success early it forms part of your like sporting identity mm-hmm. and it, it it becomes like in your head it defines you like you're he's an athlete you get these tags and these internal yeah tags like oh i'm one of the best and then when reality hits that a lot of people can plateau and and not keep like increasing their performance Mm -hmm. in a linear sort of manner that I guess internally like we talked about before a lot of internal conflict like it 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 conflicts with who they define themselves sense of identity thing and it's and like I said it's easier to quit than put in the hard work and and challenge yourself and improve yourself and get back to being as good as you can be. That's the sort of point you were making in the Ty Wolfendine episode of people being at a thinking that they can quit and they won't have the you know they can always fall back on the oh if could, I could've, I could have done could've, it should have yeah would've. yeah exactly that that's the comfort to sort of fall back on. I don't think he got that because he's achieved like yeah. so much that he I don't think he understands for most people that. I hear, I you know, I hear that a lot, but mm-hmm. I guess every he's well, he's probably around. Yeah, he's probably around people. He's not probably not around people that haven't, you know, so haven't, say that. Yeah, they're all pretty exactly. High. He's around people that have been high performance their whole life, or have they, you know, they've continued from where they where people that you were talking about before stop. They've gone past there, or they they were they were good enough, you know, to make it to the next level for whatever reason, you know. Yeah, they never experienced that sort of thing, so I guess they he can't really, or people can't really empathize in that sort of scenario because they haven't experienced it. Yeah, it interests me because, like, obviously this is a field I'm going down, but it interests me into the sense that it can be really important to dig into people's values and their purposes for doing things because that can underlie a lot of motivation, and especially for a social sport. Like, there's, it's a lot different to professional sport. There's a lot more different variables at play. You're not getting paid and stuff like that, and people have a lot more other priorities. No, I definitely agree. What I'm trying to say is, like, it's important to look at your values and think, okay, why am I doing this? Like, and it's for most people, it's not going to be ego driven, and it shouldn't be. But I think that's where a lot of people 
can be and it's I reckon it's really hard to it can be hard to enjoy community sport at an ego driven level because there's not the benefits that come with playing professional sport getting paid all the attention mm-hmm. and for some people like amateur footy like that's enough attention for them but for some people it's not well the people that continue to keep playing do it because you know they don't they're not doing it for the fame or the money I, I mean in some instances maybe they are getting paid a little bit but you know it's certainly not the same level of financial or personal gain that you would get from playing in a professional scene so to finish off the show you'd ask me a question okay my question for you this week was so far in your journey with the podcast is there a specific thing that you've learned from your guests that stands out to you and i feel like if i come on again next time in nine episodes time it'd be interesting to ask this again because i feel like your answer might be different yeah and that's that's exactly what i want i want to hear all experiences and sort of change how I think about things for the better. So far, probably the most memorable sort of discussion was with Ty about leaving no stone unturned and, you know, empowering yourself to to be the best you want to be if that's what you want. And like you said, you don't, if that's not what you want, fair enough. But, you know, don't use excuses. And I've been applying that to my sport, not not pulling putting excuses. And it's actually pretty empowering, to be honest, because... You just yeah, you it's start- like a very yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know the concept of you could be whatever you want to be, you know, like that's a very empowering thing, and people are told that at a young age for a reason because it's a very yeah, as, as I said, it's, it's a very empowering thing. It's like you can you can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it. If obviously, in my opinion, there's always going to be like externalities and there's things like genetics that you know you in terms of like sport. You know, you got to be able to be somewhat athletic. I mean, you can train athleticism to some extent, but there's also some sort of natural ability. Well, you might, genetics might limit your range, but you can still find the top of that range that you're... Yeah, okay, that that is true. That is true, definitely. But you're the one answering the question I asked it, so... But I, I guess so far we Ty about that. But who knows, when I talk to a few other people... Yeah, exactly. You know, it now, might change. Ty... Ty definitely was a very interesting listen. He had some uh, some interesting perspectives. So I guess that wraps it up. Try to keep it short and sweet. This one didn't drag on like the last one that we had. Yeah, definitely tried to keep it succinct this time. Hopefully it's a good listen. Fingers crossed. Thanks for having me on the show again. To be back soon. It was nice to be behind the mic. So I've done a few things to help get this up and running. Uh, shout out to Jared for doing the music, the intro music with me. Legend. And also shout out to Jared and I's band, The Isolators. <laughs> Stream us on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks guys for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode. So research, try and find, but you don't know where to go. So many thoughts flood through your mind. You're confused and want to know. Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye. Listen to me. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.